2: Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
3: As the president himself has said, and I reaffirm today, I am not the president's lawyer. I will add, I am not Congress's prosecutor. That's The attorney. Justice Department works done. for the American people. You're not our done? job is to follow the facts and the law, and that is what we do. All right.
0: That's Attorney General Merrick Garland. He is being grilled by Republicans today, and we're going to have more on that coming up in a little
4: bit. Yeah, some pretty good highlights. Uh, some may be surprising to you. Stay with us. We'll get to that this hour.
0: I was just thinking during our last segment, which a lot of you didn't hear. We're going to have to work, Joe and I are, as we move through middle age to not end up with a radio show where it's just a couple of guys saying,
4: kids today and music. How do you call this music? I have never said that. You work on whatever you want to work (laughs) on. I stand by everything I said and the way I said it.
0: (laughs) With their haircuts, I just, I don't even know. Whatever happened to manners? <laughs> <laughs> oh,
4: wow. Wow. I don't know. I, just, again, I stand by my statement. I'll just
0: work on it for myself then. Um <laughs> a couple of polls I came across and these are real polling organizations. I only quote from uh, like your your whatever it is like eight most respected polling organizations that gets somewhat near close to being correct. Uh first on the uh is Joe Biden too old. This is really quite amazing. Um of voters think Joe Biden will definitely die or have to resign in a second term. And the headline in the National Review, by the way, was uh, Biden's age represents uncharted territory, though we've never seen anything like this in modern America where people feel this way. 44% think he'll die or have to resign. Why would you ever run a candidate that's that high in those numbers? Then t-
4: I would bet my house that he will die or have to resign. During a second term, I'll throw in my car, too. So you're in that 44%. 20 20- oh,
0: staunchly. Then 22% think he may die or have to resign. For a total of two-thirds of voters think he either will may or will die or have to resign in a second term. So Not a joke. That's really quite amazing.
4: And But the extra scrutiny of the half-wit vice president is only misogyny and uh, and this and racism
0: right and ooh, right that hurts me for some reason every time you play it
4: right right
0: right and she's got a little of that vocal fry thing happening there.
4: yes she does the right time for us to do what we have been doing is every day so that it was- is time for us to do what we have been doing and that time is every day Good Lord, is that gobbledygook. Every time I hear it, I'm impressed anew. So to the president
0: dying or resigning in another term, it's another one of those polls where he could flip it on its head and say, Who are you th- one out of three Americans who think he's going to serve out a second
4: term? Really? They haven't observed him lately, and then age certainly is at the heart of this, but... You know, I would take issue with the way that was worded because it's not merely his age. It is the demonstrable, the undeniable decline of the man over the last three years. I mean, it's, you know, if he were my my dad or a beloved relative, I would be heartbroken.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I mention this a lot. If it was, both of my parents are in much better shape than he is. But if either one of them had declined the way he's declined in the last six, nine months. Yeah. That'd be that'd be my like my main thinking every day about that situation. Mm -hmm. Oof. God, you'd think he'd has he would have enough people close to him that are like actually friends with him. Obviously, his wife, you know, and other people that are around him that have known him for years that just uh, just the human part of you would be so worried about him.
4: Uh, Yeah, absolutely true. Uh, Where is that clip we were playing? This is Biden at the U.N. Michael, do you have that? Now, even it as we evolve our institutions and drive creative new partnerships. Let me be
1: clear. Certain principles are in the national system are sacros- sacrosanct.
0: If you can spell the wow. phrase there at the beginning. Just play the beginning there again, Michael.
1: Now, even it as we evolve our institutions.
4: Yeah, see, I, don't, drive- I have no idea. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know what he said, and I'm wearing expensive headphones. Wow. Wow.
0: So, different topics, same guy. Another respected polling organization morning consult on how many voters support the Republicans' recent impeachment investigation. Well, I have heard nonstop that it is ridiculous and based on zero evidence. So the Republicans with zero evidence are launching an impeachment, sure to fail. Well, it turns out about half of voters support the Republicans' impeachment inquiry. And what's notable about that 48% 48% of voters support this impeachment. Only 37% of voters supported the first Trump impeachment. When the media was nonstop, all the time, talking about Trump clearly being a Russian asset and a crook and all kinds of horrible, and the next Hitler. You got that all the time, every day. Uh, Dems launched an impeachment, and only 37% of Americans thought it was a good idea, as opposed to this one, where it's 11 points higher. Would you have guessed from mainstream media coverage that there's significantly more support for this impeachment than there was for Trump's first impeachment. Of course, you
4: wouldn't have. It's practically unimaginable to imagine the New York Times headline being Biden impeachment inquiry significantly more popular than Trump impeachment, Mm
0: -hmm.
4: which is a plain statement of fact. Mm -hmm. But there's not a chance they would ever have that headline. It is unbelievable. As I argued earlier today, Given the utter one-sidedness of the mouthpieces of American society, media, entertainment, and education, the fact that we're a 50-50 nation, to me, speaks to the strength of conservative ideals, the strength and and logic of them, uh, how compelling and persuasive they are. How could you argue otherwise?
0: I know. The, The fact that it punches through when you've got all those institutions... Against you. Because if you're on, you know, if you're just dropped down from outer space and you try to take in information, you think, well, all the cool people, all the bands, all the, co- all my college professor, all the actors, everybody on TV says this point of view is clearly correct. Mm hmm. And still, yeah, ends up you, you
4: the space alien, and I'm assuming you'd be that little sandy E.T. looking thing E.T. looking thing in Mexico, which they did
0: the autopsy on. And it turns out it's real.
4: Well, you would no, it's not. You would have to go out the
0: transcript coming up. Stay tuned.
4: All right. Um, You would have to do extensive polling as the weird, squatty, little sandy colored space alien, because if you took your cues from the information professionals of America, you'd get a wildly distorted point of view. Um. I think there there might be no more powerful argument for the intrinsic strength of conservative arguments that in the face of a never-ending trillion-dollar onslaught, those ideals sway at least half of the population regularly.
0: So half of all voters support the impeachment, 36% of Democrats. It's 63 percent of Republicans, about half independents, but 36 percent of Democrats support this impeachment inquiry. That's
4: interesting. That is striking. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. I would seriously like to talk to the people who think Biden could live through another term. Now, some of that the affirmative answers on that are just tribalism, I think. And some people aren't into the news enough to have observed how starkly uh, you know, in decline he is, but that's that's a ridiculous point of view.
0: Before we take the break, I got to hit you with this. So we've been talking about the story of the alien bodies that were displayed in front of Congress in Mexico last week by this UFOologist who had the alien.
4: Uh, Corpses, child's art project, yes.
0: Had the alien corpses in a glass case. He said he found them in a cave, I believe. They're somewhere between 700 and 1,000 years old when the aliens crashed on Earth. Mexican doctors have uh, done an autopsy on... It's an alien autopsy. (laughs) (laughs) And have found, quote, no evidence of any assembly or manipulation of the skulls of the so-called non-human being remains that were presented to Mexico's Congress last week seemingly proving the remains were not human-made. The scientists conducted a number of tests on the specimens, live-streamed the entire procedure for full transparency.
4: I need to do some sort of eye exercises so I can roll them even further up into my head.
0: The director of Health Sciences Research Institute of the Secretary of the Mexican Navy said the studies proved the alleged aliens belonged to a single skeleton and were not assembled with human objects. Uh, the team also found that one alien was alive and in intact at the time of its death. Whatever that means.
4: With... <laughs> I rest my case. And uh, It had... was alive at the time of its death. Yes, <laughs> beings often are.
0: And it, uh, ha- it was uh, in gestation. It had many eggs inside it.
4: Oh, my God. So... In other news, the 12-year-old who built the diorama asked for it back so he can get his grade at school. <laughs> Gee, man. Uh, All right. <laughs> so the brave Congress people of the House Judiciary Committee are grilling Merrick Garland. We have some early highlights for you coming up in moments. Stay tuned for the fireworks.
1: Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including... Actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe,
0: Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty.
1: Alt-Rock icon, Liz Fair.
2: That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end.
1: And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.
2: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: But singling out individual career public servants who are just doing their jobs is dangerous, particularly at a time of increased threats to the safety of public servants and their families. We will not be intimidated. We will do our jobs free from outside influence, and we will not back down.
0: That's our Attorney General before a Republican committee today. We'll get into some of the back and forths, and uh, Jim Jordan's leading the committee, and he's a pretty fiery guy. Um, We weren't watching this, but our executive producer, Hanson, was, and apparently so Merrick Garland comes out and sits down, and you know you get to do an opening statement. And he does a a, a long explanation, which I'm, I'm sure is very interesting about how his family came over from Belarus and how they were uh, suffered under the Holocaust and all this stuff. And he got teary-eyed, and it was quite the story of migrating to America and the great things that have happened in his family. <laughs> and then immediately, Jim Jordan starts him to rip him apart, which is just the way these things work. I like that. Yeah, sorry to hear about the Holocaust. Anyway, why
4: are you such a disgrace? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you got to get down to business. Exactly. Um, (laughs) I I found it interesting that Garland said we won't be intimidated by outside pressure. Uh, Here's our question. Will you be intimidated by inside pressure? Anyway, I'm not in Congress. Uh, Looks like a pain in the hiney. (laughs) I don't want the job. Uh, Here's uh, Representative Mike Johnson and, and, and Garland. We'll play some highlights starting with 63, please, Michael.
3: Have you had personal contact with anyone at FBI headquarters about the Hunter Biden investigation? Uh, don't re- I, don't, I don't recollect the answer to that question. But the FBI works for the Justice Department. It's, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You don't recollect. You don't recollect whether you've talked with anybody at FBI headquarters about an investigation of the president's son. I, I don't believe that I did. Wow. Here's a little more of uh, Mike hmm, Johnson. That's
0: an interesting answer. I thought he would just go with, I can't comment on things. You don't, I agree with the question there. You don't recollect whether or not, I mean, you would remember that.
4: We have had uh, top flight lawyers explain to us the power of I don't recall because nobody can prove you recall. <laughs>
3: yeah, go yeah, ahead, Michael. Yeah. Next clip. My testimony today is I told the committee that I would not interfere. I made clear that Mr. Weiss would have the authority to bring cases that he thought were appropriate. Okay. Mr. Weiss's All right. letter... Okay, okay you let me stop. You. For, for sake of time, sir, are you aware that FBI officials have come before this committee and they have stated that there was a cumbersome bureaucratic process that Mr. Weiss had to go through to bring charges in another judicial district? You know that? I'm not aware, but that's not true. There's nothing cumbersome about the process. So those whistleblowers are to- lying to us under oath? They're, those whistleblowers are lying. I that say testimony? that. Their, their description of the process, cumbersome, is an opinion. It's not a fact question. Mm. Cumbersome
0: is in the eye, the eye of the beholder.
4: Yeah, I would agree. I'm much more interested in the uh, IRS whistleblowers. I wonder if that's who he was referring to, but not to get hung up on that. Uh, the always spicy Jim Jordan has at the Attorney General in 65.
2: What I'm wondering is why you guys let the statute of limitations lapse for those tax years that dealt with Barisma income,
3: there's one more fact that's important, and that is that this investigation was being conducted by Mr. Weiss, an appointee of President Trump. You will, at the appropriate time, have the opportunity to ask Mr. Weiss that question, and he will no doubt address it in the public report that will be transmitted to the Congress. I don't know the answer to did those questions. Did they forget?
2: Did the lawyers just like let it? Did they just like oh? Darn! We let it. Did they, were they careless?
3: I expect that won't be what he says. But uh, because I you promise, you know that's
2: not the case. Because as Mister Bishop pointed out, they had a tolling agreement. They had they talked to Hunter Biden's defense counsel and say let's extend the statute of limitations. And then at some point they made an intentional decision to say we're going to let the statute of limitations lapse. And
0: I- mm, Jim Jordan's got him in a half Nelson of logic.
4: That's a, g- a great point and that's well a wrestling said reference. We got it. Yeah, because it was he was good. a was national good.
0: champion wrestler. You see?
4: Oh, you know, I had missed that aspect of it. Okay, so two time anyway. <laughs>
0: I think national champion wrestler only missed lost once in his life. I think something like that.
4: Wow! Wow! Uh where was I? Ah, uh, that's right. The Republican protecting it. Um, Sue, I thought that was an excellent way to present those questions to the Attorney General, and it's worth pointing out that. That all happened years ago and it has to do with offenses that happened years before that. These investigations never ever take this long. The dragging out of them has been entirely intentional, in my opinion. Yes, one more double clip.
0: leg takedown of the misdirection.
4: Yeah, right. One more clip. 66. This is the irascible uh, Congressman Gates of Florida. No one
3: that I know of has spoken to the White House about the Hunter Biden case. I'm
0: wondering then. Okay, I got it. I got it. So Hunter Biden is selling art to pay for his $15,000 a month rent in Malibu. How can you guarantee that the people buying that art aren't doing so to gain favor with the president?
3: Job of the Justice Department is to investigate criminal allegations. We have information. Are you investigating
0: this? I mean, someone who bought Hunter Biden's art ended up with a prestigious appointment to a federal position. Doesn't it look weird that he's, making, he's become this immediate success in the
3: art world as his dad is president of the United States? Isn't that odd? I'm not going to comment about any specific. Not going to comment, not going to investigate.
0: I rarely stand up for Matt Gates, but Matt Gates does understand this is more political than legal, really. It's about convincing America, hey, this all looks pretty fishy. And that's some pretty good stuff to bring up right there.
1: Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver.
4: When someone uploads a video to TikTok and they used AI to make it, they'll soon be able to clearly label it as being made with AI. TikTok outlined the new ability Tuesday, saying it wants to support transparent and responsible content creation practices. And not only will users be able to stamp their own content as being AI made or assisted, but TikTok says it's also testing ways to label AI generated content automatically. That would help showcase cool new technology, but also alert viewers if something is a deep fake. Earlier this year, TikTok introduced a policy requiring people to label AI-generated content.
0: But can they enforce huh. that? Do they have a way to enforce that?
4: Well, I think it has to do with what they're saying. They they have tech now that can identify it, and I don't I don't know. It's uh, that's so intriguing, though.
0: Yeah, by all the all the experts I read and and listen to on podcasts, see, there's no way you're going to stay ahead on that. The whole detecting it thing.
4: Yeah. Yeah, so I understand. I think it's uh, at least as interesting that the move to get TikTok banned is stalled completely, even though it's you know owned and and certainly uh, operates uh, only by the good graces of the communist Chinese. I was also reading that TikTok is spreading millions and millions and millions of dollars in lobbying money around, and this is so weird. The Congress people it's given the most money to. They're in favor of TikTok still being available. Must be a coincidence. Or they would say, and this is one, an old, old dodge. <clears throat> well, of course we contribute to people who uh, agree with us. We want them to get reelected. It's not a bribe. We uh, rarely talk about Howard Stern's
0: wife's pets, but we will hear coming up in just a minute. Uh, stay tuned. <laughs> so I mentioned this last hour, and I wanted to hit it again. Last week, week before, I had some numbers out of the Chicago public school systems because you see lots of averages of school systems, but you don't see like nailed down to specific areas. There are a whole bunch of schools in the Chicago area where they don't have a single student that can read or do math at the proficiency level. Keeping in mind, of course, that the proficiency levels have been lowered and lowered and lowered and lowered over the years to where you don't have to be really with it to meet the current levels, and nobody was. Well, here's some numbers out of a Baltimore, Baltimore schools. There are 23 public schools where zero <laughs> students were math proficient. Not one kid. You don't have one kid that just by luck is so bright that they can reach the very low bar of being proficient in math at these 23 public schools. At some high schools, the GPA is less than .13. Can you imagine being a teacher there? God dang it. You'd be up against it,
4: boy. You'd really be in the business of trying to identify a handful of kids who are wanting to learn.
0: Yeah, and and uh, I remember with the Chicago schools, uh, the question was being asked: Why are the doors even open? And they're talking about the totals of bazillions of dollars that are being spent. Why why are, why don't we just let people keep this money? I mean, what's it's not doing any good. Nothing. Nobody's getting anything out of it other than employing like. Janitors, teachers, and a whole bunch of middle management who get to have a job. But in it's terms jobs
4: of <laughs> educating
0: kids, that ain't happening, yeah. so close the doors. Yeah. What difference would it make? Uh, back to the Baltimore schools. 77% of the high school students read at grade school level, some at kindergarten level. Baltimore spends about $21,000 per student to get this. This was my favorite part that uh, somebody pointed out. Do I have that? I hope I do. Um, if the school system were being honest, graduation rates and proficiency rates would be approximately the same, right? Nope. Instead, student proficiency is 34% among all the schools, because I was pointing out the worst schools, but overall Mm -hmm. it's 34% proficiency. Graduation rates are 87%. Wow. Wow. Isn't that amazing? We are, I mean, that is cruel. (laughs) That is just flat out cruel to send kids out into the world, graduated high school when they aren't proficient, and then those kids are going to end up on all kinds of government programs, and all kinds of people are going to make speeches about how unfair the country is this way or that way, income inequality. Why are these kids not making as much money as these kids? Because they don't know how to read or do math at even a basic level. They were screwed from the beginning, and now you're talking about fixing it now when they're 40 years old? the hell
4: when you equalize for educational achievement there is no racial wage gap uh yeah and and nobody wants to say we've got to solve this problem in the kindergartens and first grades and second grades and in the home they say it's at the gates of harvard that you gotta or or when it comes time to graduate you got to give these people a piece of paper It's uh, interesting and tragic and ridiculous and angering that the state of Oregon, which has just dropped any sort of standards for graduation, the old standards that they dropped, that they were seeing disproportionately disappointing performance by students of color, those standards were when you graduated, you had to be as proficient as incoming freshmen. In essence, if you were, you know, up to speed, you learned zero in high school, but here's a diploma, get out of here. Or, you know, if you were not doing terribly well, all we want to do is bring you up to the level of a freshman before you're kicked out as a senior. And they had so few students achieving that that they just dropped standards. Uh, is another syllable needed to indict America's government schools, never mind the indoctrination into radical queer theory or what have you. I mean, just as you pointed out, those Chicago schools in particular, if you closed a school and there was no less learning in that neighborhood, uh, why didn't you go ahead and close it earlier? (laughs) Right,
0: right. So, the journey that took me to Howard Stern's wife's pets yesterday. Um, so, this is where it started. I was watching a little bit of the Bill Maher show where he sits in the basement and smokes pot with various guests.
4: I still haven't watched
0: that. Oh, God. I, there's I so to. many great episodes. It's really amazing. Anyway, he had a comedian on there, Jim Gaffigan, and they they got on the topic of late-night talk shows. Oh, they were talking about the writer's strike. That's where they were talking about the writer's strike. And, um... And, um this guest that Bill Maher had on was uh, you know really on the side of the writers and uh, and uh, Bill Maher which I thought it was kind of interesting and you mentioned he's was planning to bring his show back
4: yeah without writers without but then writers. he relented yeah. okay he he said, yeah, they they're, they're uh, the talks are going well, so we're going to hold out.
0: Okay. Anyway, he um he said, I think a lot of these writers are just hoping for too much, or hoping too much of a guarantee. He said, this is a hit or miss league. I mean, show business is rough. You're either you know you're either make the cut or you don't, and the idea that you're going to be able to work out some sort of agreed income for show business just doesn't make any sense to him. But they also got into the topic of residuals, like you used to be able. If you're a writer on Friends, and then it gets sold into syndication and all that sort of stuff, you know, the the money that comes for years. The current way everything works with Netflix, stuff just kind of disappears, and you don't make any money off it. The only thing you made is when you wrote that originally, and it's just there's just no more money to be made. I don't know, it's kind of you know, but times are changing, which was the ultimate point of it. Anyway, they got onto the late night shows, and Bill Maher was saying, I don't even I'm amazed that those shows still exist the late night shows given the fact that you can watch anything you want any time you want i mean they they came of age in a day when you got to the end of the work day it's evening you wanted to watch something on tv hey here's something somebody talking about the 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 the, the, the news what's in the news and some celebrities and what, but you can you could wa- you could watch any netflix show you could watch any other show you can watch anything you want how do they still exist and also bill Maher pointing out that um, the whole politics of the whole thing and uh, and how they, they get credit for, like, being brave by going out and saying exactly what, you know, they're going to say to a liberal audience. He said, I th- say things that my audience hates all the time. He said, I've never heard any of these guys. He said, I'm friends with all of my like them, but I've never heard them say anything that would ever upset their audience.
4: <laughs> that's absolutely oh, yeah. true. Well, you're right, and he's right that a lot of what it is is a function of when it airs, which is a phrase so out of date I shouldn't even use it. Right. Um, It is uh, amusing fluff before you go to sleep, and so yeah, challenging your audience has not really ever been part of it. Um, What what's sickening though, and Mars' right to call him on it, is they portray themselves as boldly political. And they're just serving up, you know, inoffensive right. fluff to their audience.
0: Anyway, somehow it came up the idea about how he and Howard Stern are uh, hating each other again and not speaking. And this might actually be permanent since it's so personal. But they, they had a couple of, you know, old high profile media lefties had a falling out over vaccines, I guess. Stern was for all these different mandates and um, and and Mar was not. They had recently patched it back up. Bill Maher goes on Howard Stern's show. They're friends again, blah, blah, blah. Well, uh, recently, Bill Maher had criticized Howard Stern for the way he talks about his wife. Now, you get into this sort of personal stuff, and you're probably never going to recover that. And, you know, I don't care about Howard Stern's wife or really know anything. didn't know anything about it. But if you remember back in the day, he used to talk about his wife a lot, and she was the subject of that movie and all that different sort of stuff. Then they got a divorce, and now he's got this super hottie 50 year old wife who just did a big splashy bikini shoot in some magazine. And, uh, Bill Maher thought it was sickening the way Howard Stern talks so lovingly about his wife and never mentions his ex wife. I don't know, whatever. I don't care wow. about that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so then, so then I clicked on a link that went to Howard Stern's wife. Cause I didn't know anything about her. And here she is, she's 50 years old and she's doing a photo shoot for Vogue or New Yorker or something like that. And she looks like you would expect her to look in all this different sort of stuff. She's uh, uh, the uh, but this is the part that I thought was interesting. While Beth and Howard met in 2000, the lovebirds didn't tie the knot until 2008, after which she largely stepped out of the limelight to focus on cat rescue and adoptions. Eventually, eventually co-founding her own center called Bianca's Furry Friends Feline in 2019. Currently, she's fostering more than a dozen kitties in the couple's colossal $25 million eight-bedroom, 12-bathroom mansion in the Hamptons, which sprawls to 15,000 feet atop more than four acres of land. So she's fostering more than a dozen kittens in their home. People think my life is so glamorous with Howard that I have other people doing the messy part. Not true. I'm currently fostering 19 kittens, she says here, and adult and senior cats. That's a lot of poop to scoop. Good Lord. Signed up for that.
4: Yeah, you know, this is one of she those. She also revealed uh, they
0: have seven resident cats that live with them all the time, in addition, and one resident bunny, in addition to the 20 kittens she's fostering and trying to find home. There are millions of cats all over the country. Millions and millions. And most of them are going to be to put to sleep. And I know that's horrible to think about, but there ain't enough owners for all the dang cats. There just isn't. It's not like you have the only dozen unadopted cats in the world or America or even the Hamptons. There's so many cats.
4: Yeah, I just, I'll never see eye to eye with a person like that. We just don't see it the same way. Well, I'm saving these 36 to 40. I lost track of the number of cats. (gasps) Right? In my home man i'm howard stern i'm not i'd say baby i don't care how hot you are you got to get rid of like three quarters of these cats which will get us down between to now and saturday <laughs> oh my God.
0: which should bring us down to like low double double
4: double digit cats <laughs> single digits honey single digits yes
0: wow that's something nine cats is a lot of cats there you go. Well, anyway. You we just got two, and that's enough. You have two? Two kittens. Yeah, that's two how it kittens. starts, though. Next thing you know, your Howard Sterns was. No, no, no. Two is it. <laughs> huh? All right. Stay with us. We'll finish strong next.
1: Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver.
2: Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. This is not uh,
0: conservative republicanism. This is stupidity. Uh, the idea that we're going to shut the government down uh, when we don't control the Senate, we don't control the White House. These people can't define a win, they don't know how to take yes for an answer.
4: Uh, it's a clown show. You keep running lunatics. You're going to be in this position. Who that? That's Representative Mike Lawler, a Republican from New York, talking about the Freedom Caucus um, and their lack of realism in his point of view. Uh, there is something to his criticism. On the other hand, they're the only people forcibly calling for restraint in spending. So it's hard to root too hard against them.
0: Yeah, it is the problem. Their tactics, this tactic will be ineffectual. but. Your response is, so here's the tactic we'll use to start taking on our debt and overspending. No, it's always just you. It's like the border. You shouldn't do that solution. What's your solution? Never mind that. You shouldn't do your solution.
4: Right, right. Yeah, well, there's no constituency for fiscal conservatism anymore, so I'll shut up about it.
0: So you've come down on the side of pro-crashing F-35s into countrysides. I'm continuing I don't to be all that specifically, sus- but suspicious of what's going on here. Byron York following up in the Washington Examiner on that F-35 that the the pilot ejected from mm-hmm. uh you're uh, gi- tired
4: of flying. your butt gets sore. you get a uh, plane butt.
0: a giant expensive heavy plane that was over populated areas at various times because it flew for what however many minutes, 10, 15 minutes something like that. it went 60 miles. Mm-hmm. Um, after the pilot ejected. Luckily, it didn't crash into a small town and kill you know hundreds of people or something like that.
4: Just pointing out, if it flew 60 miles in 15 minutes, that's four miles per hour, isn't it? Is that right? 60 miles? Well, no, that'd be a quarter of 60. Uh, it'd be a quarter of 60 miles per hour. So, yes, it would have to fly at 15 miles per hour.
0: Well, okay. <laughs>
4: But anyway, uh, Byron, New York said it's a very big... my o- math backwards? It doesn't matter. I mean, the thing can fly it like Mach 5.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know how fast it was flying when the guy ejected, but uh, right, it's yeah. a very big ocean. If you're in the Charleston area and you're heading north, take a right. There it is. Pilots are trained to ditch planes in the ocean if there's an extreme emergency enough to eject from the plane. What was going on? Byron, York's just making the argument, you got to tell us what was happening there. Um, what, what the heck happened? It must have happened. Something went badly wrong. I mean, that's obvious. And it must have happened. He must have had to get out of there immediately, because it would be like two seconds to be over the ocean in that thing.
4: Maybe there's like a big, big hairy spider inside the cockpit Ah! or a wasp, maybe a wasp.
0: Yeah. You ever like almost crash because you spilled coffee in your lap or something? Could have been that sort of thing.
4: Obviously, something went sideways.
0: Yeah. And they don't have to tell us
2: specifically,
0: but I hope the plane didn't get hacked. That's all I'm saying.
2: Almost finished, let's
3: get ready, Final Thoughts with
0: Armstrong and Getty. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, (laughs) Joe Getty.
4: Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew to wrap things up for the day. There he is, Michelangelo, pressing the buttons in the control room. Michael, final thought?
3: Yeah, I wanted to buy a house, but with the increasing humidity in Mexico, I decided to hold off. Oh,
4: it's climate anxiety, folks. Mm-hmm. Don't make any sudden moves or loud noises around Michael. Katie Green, our esteemed newswoman, has a final thought. Katie? I tried to talk my parents into renting a convertible one time traveling in Hawaii, and in the back seat I noticed
1: cockroaches coming out of the creases of the seat, I jumped out of the open convertible and
4: rolled out of said vehicle before it came to a complete stop.
0: I'm glad you weren't uh, killed, but uh, that's pretty gross. Mm. La cucaracha.
4: Jackie, final thought for
0: us? Apropos of nothing, I have been quoting for years. The back in the 1800s, the typical Irish person ate five t- pounds of potatoes a day. Hmm. I came across this stat yesterday. They have upped that number saying that it has been inaccurate all these years. The average Irish person ate about 13 pounds of potatoes a day. Right. In the 1800s. Right.
4: 13 pounds of potatoes every day. Stop underestimating my people. It's racism, How clearly. How could you possibly do that? How much would you weigh and what would your mm, digestive system be like? How's your stool? My final <laughs> I wasn't gonna go there. My final thought is after several moments of painstaking mental gymnastics, I have finally puzzled out that if indeed you flew 60 miles in 15 minutes, you are flying at 240 miles per hour. Thank you very much.
0: Um, Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another
4: grueling four-hour workday. It's a little shameful it took me that long. So many people to thank. So little time. Go to Armstrongandgetty.com. Would you please? We have great clicks for you under Hot Links. Uh, Grab yourself an Armstrong and Getty t shirt, sports bra, hat. We've got some great new designs. Somebody asked for the Hot Dogs Are Dogs, Hot Dogs Are Dogs t shirt. We'll think about it. That's pretty
0: good. See you tomorrow. God bless America.
4: I've heard young leaders talk with me about a a term they've coined called Armstrong and Getty. Hear me plainly. I will not sugarcoat this.
3: You're about to open a pit of hell. Right?
4: Okay. Resist. We must. You people are psychos. What's the matter (laughs) with you? You people are psychos. God, you'd have have crumbled like a house of cards during, like, not even the scary parts of our history. Like in 1992. that high note, thank you all very much. Armstrong and Getty.